Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, good morning, everybody down in Mullaloo. Let's give everybody a clap down there in Mullaloo. We're all here together. Everybody watching online, give them a clap. Give yourselves a clap if you're online. You can grab a seat if you're not already, wherever you might be. And uh, we are going to dive into our series we've been in uh, this last couple of weeks called Better. And the whole idea of this series is about how we make progress in our faith, walking with Christ, stepping towards the things he wants for us, uh, knowing that, uh, you know, faith isn't about being perfect, but it's about making progress as we follow Jesus. And to do that, we're looking at the life of one of the disciples, Simon, who becomes Peter, and how uh, Jesus shapes him, forms him, how he becomes who he is meant to be. And his story is such a good one for all of us because we're given so many kind of glimpses into the moments of his life, these kind of defining moments that helped him become uh, who Jesus was calling him to be. And so there's so much we can learn from him. You know, I don't know if anyone else has had this experience, uh, and I don't know if something changed in the telecom industry in the last like three months, six months, a year, but I get messages that I am missing packages all the time. Has anybody else had this problem? Like, you're, like I get every day, I don't know how much stuff I've ordered or supposedly ordered, but I'm getting messages every day, sometimes multiple times a day, uh, that, you know, you are, your package has been lost. It's probably gone forever. Uh, you know, send money now. <laughs> Just whatever it is. Uh, getting all these messages. And, uh, and, and my, a few, well, I guess it's probably been about a month, six weeks ago. Uh, Levi, our son, he ordered an actual package, and he had ordered uh, this kind of special speed cube. It's like a Rubik's Cube goes really, really fast, uh, or it can anyway. Uh, and so he ordered it, and he, he had this real package coming. He'd ask me every day, Dad, have you gotten a message about the cube? And I look at my phone, I'm like, I got about three or four messages today. I don't think any of them are about your cube. And uh, I kept getting all these messages. I got, here's an example of one. I took a screenshot. This is about a, uh, a month ago. It said, we are sorry for the non-delivery of your order. And I just wrote back, I don't think you're sorry at all. I, guess I, I, I don't know what it was. I just got it. Like, I don't believe you. I think this is a false message. I think you're not sorry, you know. And, uh, and so I just, I, you know, but... The funny thing was, eventually I did say, oh, actually, I got a real message, and today is the day. The cube is coming. Now, the funny thing is, somehow, uh, most of us know how to distinguish, how to discern between which messages are fake and which ones are real. There's something about the way it comes across that we can determine, is this, you know, I just knew inherently, you're not sorry about my package. <laughs> this is, you're lying to me. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. One of the things that is most uh, important for us, if we are going to keep getting better and following Christ, if we're going to keep growing, progressing in faith, progressing and becoming the people God wants us to be, then one of the most important things we can do or get better at is learning to hear God's voice in our lives. Which sounds good. It sounds definitely like something we all want more of. But can be more challenging than we imagine uh, at first glance. In fact, I know many people find it incredibly challenging to try and figure out, God, what are you saying to me? God, what do you want me to do? So we're going to look today at how we get better at discerning what is God's voice in our life and, and what sometimes is actually just, uh, just some chatter that maybe is best left uh, unattended to or maybe just send a goofy text message in reply. 
So to do that, though, we're going to look at a scene from Peter's life that I think is a great moment for seeing what it looks like to become someone who's learning to hear more and more the voice of God. We're actually going to look at this moment. It's a famous moment in Peter's life. It's the moment where he walks on water. So famous, you know, even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you've probably been heard this story of, you know, Jesus walking on water and maybe you didn't know it, but for a moment anyway, Peter actually walks on water. And in this moment, uh, we're going to see some keys to what it looks like to really step out in the life of faith, learning to hear God's voice and move towards what he wants for us. So Matthew chapter 14 is where we find this story. And it says this, verse 22. Immediately, this is after a big day. Jesus has been teaching crowds. It's actually been a big few days, but this is a huge day. He's been uh, feeding these, and they finished with feeding the, the thousands, you know, with the, the bread and the fish. And immediately after it was all done, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. Now, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Let me hear you say, by himself. By himself. Now later that night, he was there alone. He's up on the mountainside. And the boat, where all his disciples were, uh, was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now we're going to pause there just for one moment. I'm going to pause there for one moment. I love this moment. It says Jesus sent the disciples out into the boat ahead of him. Now, if you're not familiar with the scriptures, you may not know this word disciples, and we maybe just think, yeah, that's just what they called the guys. They traveled around with Jesus, and that's true. Uh, but the word disciple in Greek is just a, a simple word, mathetes. It just means learner. Effectively, a, a mathetes or a disciple is someone who is learning, and they're learning from their teacher, the Jewish words, rabbi. They're learning from someone. And what I think is always helpful to just be reminded of, even if you've been a person of faith a long time, is that to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a learner from Jesus. It is to be someone who is learning. And you are learning uh, how to be the person he's calling you to be. You're learning how to be more like your teacher, who is Jesus. But the thing about learning with Jesus is Jesus doesn't take his learners to a classroom. We're used to often kind of classroom style. And, you know, you go into the classroom, maybe be some diagrams, and maybe you just teach and, and you learn just by taking some notes. Jesus' mode of teaching, Jesus' mode of you learning takes place in the school of life. And it tends to take place, as it will on this scene, in places like a stormy lake in the middle of of the night. Jesus sends the disciples out there and he's going to use this stormy, windy night as his classroom for teaching them something about who he is. And I'd suggest something about what it looks like to hear his voice. And so shortly before dawn, it tells us, verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. He sent them out there they're, they're getting smashed around by wind, by waves. And shortly before dawn, Jesus goes out to them, walking on the lake, as you do. Just a normal old day for Jesus, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Because you just don't see that every day. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. Now, let me hear you say the word fear for a moment. 
And, and I say that because a big part of this story is about the transition Jesus wants for his followers. He wants us to learn how to move often from fear to faith. Because one of the single greatest barriers to following Jesus into whatever he has for you will be fear. It is one of the most repeated commands in all the scriptures is fear not. Because fear is fear and faith are, are almost opposites to each other. And so often it's our fear that keeps us from following Jesus. And so we're going to see in this as we learn to hear him better is what grows faith. So they're like, well, it's a ghost. They cry out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Let me hear you say these words. Take courage. Ah, it's so much more fun to say than fear, isn't it? Take courage. You hear that and it does something in you. Jesus wants his followers to be people not full of fear, but full of courage. But the core of what brings that courage is not kind of, well, just toughen up and try not to be so afraid. It's actually what he says there. It's I. It's coming to recognize that Jesus' presence is right there with us. Lord, if it's you, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Tell me to come to you. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat. And he walked on the water. And he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, these moments, as I said, this is Jesus' school of life. This is Jesus taking his disciples to help them learn something. This is Jesus who sent them out onto the water in the middle of the night. It says he stayed on the mountainside. You almost get this picture. Maybe he could see what was going on, the, the, the wind, the waves. It's all buffeting. And then it's about at the last moment. It's just before dawn. They've been out there all night. They are probably frazzled. I mean, I can only imagine being up all night in a boat that feels like you might drown, getting smashed around by waves. They are almost... Maybe at the end of their robes, and then he walks out to them. And in that moment, when they're perhaps most kind of wrestling with fear and all these things, Jesus is going to teach them something about learning to hear his voice. Can I tell you something? If you find yourself in a situation where you feel maybe at the end of your rope, maybe uh, a little bit buffeted by waves, maybe a little bit blown around by the wind, maybe it feels a bit like being in the middle of the night, those are extraordinary moments for learning to hear the voice of God in your life. But to do so, to learn to hear him in those moments, uh, we, can, we can learn as we take note of how Jesus taught Peter, I believe, in this moment. Do you know, one of the reasons that we might think, you know what, Jesus, if I wanted to learn to hear your voice, maybe I just need to go to a nice classroom. A classroom setting sounds better than, than kind of the dead of night on a stormy sea. But actually, it's in those moments because what it teaches us, if we are willing to try to listen and discern where Jesus is in those moments, it's in those moments we're able to uh, start to have to sift through and discern what's just noise and wind and waves and what is the actual voice of Jesus saying 
take courage, I'm here. What is the voice of Jesus saying, come, you can come to me. You know, I love, I don't know if you have a, a Bible like this. This one's a paper Bible. And so it's maybe a little revolutionary. It's a new thing they're doing now. But uh, if you got a paper Bible or a digital one that has Jesus' words in red, what I find amazing about this story is, it, it, on mine, I don't, I don't know if you can zoom there at Malu, but you can just imagine it or look maybe where you, wherever you are at, on a hard copy. This story is like this whole section right here. And there's a lot of black. There's a lot of black. And the black is, of course, just the, the descriptions. It's telling us what's happening. It's what the disciples are saying. There's, there's a lot of black. And that black is, is wind, it's waves, it's background information. There's very little red. There's only a little bit. The red is, of course, what Jesus is saying. And what I think is just amazing is that no matter how kind of scary or stormy the night can feel, even just a, the smallest word from Jesus can transform it. I love all he says to Peter is, come. You know, he just says these really simple, small, clear things. Take courage. It's I. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Do you know, Jesus' word is so often words like this, I believe, to us. Sometimes talk with people and they're asking questions often. Probably one of the most frequent questions I'd hear as a pastor, someone in ministry, is how do I know what God wants me to do? How do I hear what God's saying to me? How do I know his voice? And do you know what? One of the most frequent things I can tell you, you'll know it's his voice when he's just telling you things like, take courage. I'm here. I'm present. Come. You know, follow me. Be with me. Doesn't, and, and, and because those things, as we learn, those are the things that inspire trust. So here is what uh, Peter's journey looks like. Imagine this. They're on the boat. They're afraid. They're scared. It's stormy. It's nighttime. They're, they're totally spooked and think it's a ghost on lake. There actually used to be a lot of rumors that there were ghosts out on Sea of Galilee and stuff like that. They're freaked out. So they, Peter starts, as they all do, scared. But the journey he begins to take to make some progress is that he hears Jesus saying, it's me. Take courage. I'm here. And Peter, out of that, and I don't know why he, out of all the disciples, had this idea, but his idea is just, you know what? If you're there, then tell me to come to you. If you tell me to come to you, I'll know it's you. Peter had been learning to hear Jesus' voice. He was used to how he operated. He knew the kinds of things Jesus would say. And all Jesus says is come, and it's like Peter knows, that's enough. I'm going to move. Gets out of the boat and takes those first few steps on water. And what a moment. This is, again, and we talk about this often in Peter's life, faith has these pinnacle moments. Oh, man, stepping onto water had to be like a pinnacle moment. But then as he's starting to take these steps, the wind it says he saw the wind, which I think is an amazing description because you can't see wind. But he's seeing these waves. He's seeing this storm. He's consumed by fear, and that's the moment he starts to sink. And then Jesus, of course, says, it's all right, I'm here. Why would you doubt? It's all right. Takes him back in the boat. Now, these moments are moments for learning because it requires learning to, to almost not see the wind and the waves. What was the great challenge for Peter here? What did he still have to grow in? What was one of the key learnings for him here? Was to learn to not see the wind and the waves and to keep his eyes on Jesus. And that's a lesson you can only learn when there's wind and waves around. 
It's a lesson you can't just learn in a classroom. The lesson of learning to focus on Jesus' voice. You know, I used to have, uh, I, I did this course years ago, more than, more than 10 years ago, I can't remember, maybe 15, um, which seems weird because I'm not old enough to have stories that are 15 years old. But I remember doing this life coaching course, one of the best kind of trainers I've ever done something like that with. And this guy used to run, a, it was to train you in coaching people through life. And, you know, it was really, a, it was like an incredible mentoring experience, all this. It was right here in Perth. And, uh, and I always remember, and we'd have to do these things. And when I first was doing this thing, like I was with a group and there was other pastors and leaders. And, and the, you would have to do these things like, you know, take this chain and turn it into a star or something, you know. Have you ever been on something like that? Oh, man, I hate those things. Like I just, you know, I used to, just, I was like, oh, do we really have to do this? But he would always be giving us these challenges, this whatever it was that you had to do. And he used to do this thing where uh, he would always be, he would have this speaker. And this is like before speakers were as good as they are now. But he would always be playing music on this speaker. And it would just, like, he'd just be playing music. It was so loud and noisy. And I remember, and some people, it drove them crazy. And they'd be like, can you please turn that off? And then, you know, so, but it, it would just, like, you'd be trying to do something that required focus, and it required, like, planning and even communication amongst a group of people. And eventually someone was like, why do you have to play, like, that silly music all the time? And, and he said, I actually play it for exactly that reason, because it's interesting to watch who's able to block out noise and distraction and who just lets it get to them. And his whole thing as a, as a life coach, and whether you think those are good things or bad things, I used to love what he would always say is life is stimulus and response. Like, and it doesn't matter if it was, that was what I learned in it. I was like, I can't stand making this star. It actually doesn't matter what you're doing in life. Life is stimulus and response. We experience events. How do we respond to them? And he would play this music as a way of kind of going, how will you respond to that? There's noise. Can you block it out? Can you stay focused? Can you uh, look into what you are meant to do? Because life is not quiet. Life is noisy. Do you know if you want to fulfill and understand God's purposes for your life, it will not happen in some kind of like nice, serene, quiet vacuum. If you want to become the person God wants you to be, you're going to have to deal with the wind and the waves and the noise. And the journey of faith and the journey of learning to hear God's voice is being able to sort out what is God really saying from what's just noise around me. Do you know, we have noise in our lives, and, and I want to divide the kind of noise. I want you to think, so if you're a person, you're here today, and you're like, I want to hear God's voice more in my life. I want to know who he's calling me to be, what steps he wants me to take. I'm not sure if I'm ready to try walking on water just yet, but I want to take some steps. I want to know what's he actually calling me to do. I want to know who he's calling me to be. Uh, one of the first principles in here is God's voice, I, I believe, is to realize this. If you're going to hear and tune into his voice, you have to learn the capacity to tune out what is just wind and waves. Because there's so much wind and so much waves in our lives. And that wind and waves tends to fall into uh, two categories that we'll talk about today. One is internal. Let me hear you say internal. And external. Let me say external. So just get this. We are surrounded by noise, not just out there, but in here as well. So we go through life 
And sometimes we hit moments like this and we're feeling a bit afraid and being called to something or we're feeling wind and waves. Do you know something? You will have internal chatter in your voice. God may be calling you to make a decision, to take a step of faith, to, uh, to change or shift something in who you are so you can become more the person he's calling you to be. And immediately when he starts speaking that, you will have some wind and waves on the inside. I always find one of the things when I'm trying to hear what God's saying to me, one of my greatest challenges is, the, like the voice in here is so loud. And it's often telling me absolute rubbish. <laughs> it's often speaking things of, of fear. It's often speaking things of self-centeredness and selfishness. And the inside there's this, the Bible calls it our flesh. That it's like our, we, if we want to hear the voice of Christ, sometimes we have to determine to say, I'm not going to pay so much attention to the voice of my flesh. I'm not going to pay so much attention to just the, the inner part of me that, to be honest, will lead you astray. Do you know we live in a world that would always say uh, so commonly, trust your heart. Just listen to your heart. It'll tell you what to do. Can I tell you something? If you're a follower of Jesus, that is like the worst advice. This, this Bible actually says that the heart, the human heart, is deceitfully wicked beyond <laughs> comprehension. Who can understand it? You know, the Bible actually says you shouldn't trust your heart because your heart will lead you astray. It's one of the noisiest voices in your life. And the whole problem of sin means that your noisy heart will lead you towards things that are often absolutely uh, the opposite of the direction Jesus wants for you. And so one part of learning to hear God's voice is actually coming to understand that you have to turn down some of the noise of our own heart, flesh, internal chatter. Does that make sense? Because if we don't, I, I meet people so often who are trying to hear what God wants them to do, but sometimes people actually are just like, this is what I want to do, and they find a way to make it sound like God. And, and, and that's not to, to be harsh or anything, but just to say it's really easy to just want to say, God, this is what I want, and I'm hoping you'll just say it's okay. And so if you're like, well, how do we distinguish? Here's, here's going to be the key. You want to figure out, is something your heart or is it from God? We're told that we're given his word in the scriptures. This is his God-breathed, inspired word in our lives. And the more time we spend in it and the more times we listen to it, the more we learn to hear what his voice is like. And the less susceptible we are to the noise around us. So we don't fall into a trap of going, yeah, just listen to your heart. That'll take you to the right place. Because we have to learn what it sounds like. Do you know how I knew that, that text message was a fake? And, and how you knew it too? And how you know when stuff comes on your phone that's just absolute kind of spam? And if you're like, I don't know the difference. I've been scammed three times. Let's talk after, okay? So we'll have a chat. <laughs> but the way you know it's fake is because I know what the real ones sound like. I've had a real message from a real company or a real post office. And so when you see the fake ones, it's not hard to know what they are. One of the things that I think most people find so challenging to hear God's authentic voice in your life is because not enough time is actually spent in these words. We're so used to, we spend our time absorbed in all the messages that come at us, uh, sometimes from inside and then sometimes from outside, and it becomes difficult to discern what's God in this. But the way to learn to hear God's voice is you have to spend enough time in his authentic voice so you can recognize it when it maybe is a little bit more challenging of a situation. You see, because we've got this idea of internal noise, and then we've got external noise. 
How many people know we live in a noisy culture? So we live in one of the noisiest times in human history. You know, the disciples, when they were learning to follow Jesus and hear his voice, you know, when, when the day was done, you know, when Jesus, when they wrapped it up and they sent the crowds away, you know, and they went like kind of back home and stuff, you know what? The disciples never were like, Phew, that was a big day. I'm like, let's put some Netflix on. <laughs> let's just, let's relax and unwind and, uh, and we'll just watch some TV. We'll veg out a little bit, you know, and they didn't walk away from a big day of, of ministry and then start scrolling through their feed to see kind of how it went and if they generated any buzz on the other side of the lake or anything like that. And I just say all that to say, do you know we live in an extraordinarily noisy time where one of the great challenges of our day is how do we uh, learn to silence some of the just pure noise, this wind, it's waves, it's all around us telling us life's about this and life's about that and life's about this and life's about that and it's constant. And we actually have to learn how to, how to tune some of that out. We have to learn how to keep our eyes on Christ, even though there's wind and waves coming. You know, we talk about this a, a fair bit here, but I, pretty much all of us have one of these things that we're more or less attached to uh, in a lot of ways. It's a mobile phone, if you can't tell. And uh, mobile computer, more like it. But, you know, we talk about this stat, but it's one we got to just keep being conscious of because I think if Jesus was around, he'd be talking about this all the time. The average person touches one of these 2,700 times a day. 2,700 times a day. And, and if you're tired of me saying that, I, I think it's just something we can't forget because we forget to our own detriment. That's the average person 2,700. If you use it a lot, it's probably more like 6,000 times a day. And that means every time you kind of push, swipe, push a button, etc. That, that's a touch. Pick it up, all of it. Now, why do I say that? Because if you don't know, these things are noisy. They are noisy. Because do you know what all those touches and all that looking does? Every time you look at it, it's another noise. It's another voice. It's another idea. It's another, look at this, look at me. It's another uh, shipping company wanting to get your attention. You know, it's another thing that is all kind of there because all these, you know, multi-billion dollar companies are focused on one thing, capturing your attention and my attention and getting our eyeballs to look more and more. And all the time we're looking, you know, one of the mentoring groups I'm a part of, they just always talk about this, uh, screens disciple. I think this phrase is so important. Screens disciple. We are learning all the time. So the more time you look at it, the more you're learning from it. I'm not saying like chuck this, you know, in the bin and go live in the woods, Okay. Somebody did that after the first service. More power to them. <laughs> Just kidding. Nobody did that. But my point is this. To be a follower of Jesus is to become people who actually are intentional about that which we listen to and that which we don't. To become people who think intentionally and thoughtfully about how we will cultivate a heart, mind, and spirit that can focus and hear the voice of God. I find sometimes in my life, because a lot of the communication I do with my team or my work or different things, it's all connected. There's times I get to where, like, I'm like, why am I, I'm almost, my brain feels like a pinball machine. I don't know if anyone else ever experienced that. I won't make you put your hand up. There's times I feel like I can't even get my brain to just, and, and whenever that happens, I realize, you know, what? I got to step back away from this. And I got to do what, I got to get alone with the Father and actually recenter around what's real and what's not. Because sometimes all the info coming at me, it, it, it can end up leaving me feeling like, well, what about this and what about that? And, oh, I want to make sure I care for this person to do that thing. And now I'm feeling afraid of what if I get that wrong or this right? And it's all there. 
and it's wind and it's waves and it can keep me from just hearing the voice of Jesus and what he actually wants for my life. And so here's my, my simple, if you're someone who goes, you know what, because at the end of the day, if you want to be the kind of person who can walk on water, who can live the extraordinary life that Jesus purposed for you, and not just get pushed and pulled and end up living the same old life that the world around, but who actually can go, no, Jesus, I'm going to do the things that seem impossible by the world's standards. And I think just purely following Jesus in today's culture and climate can feel impossible, but if you want to take that journey, And we have to be people who learn to hear his voice. And so here's my simple kind of encouragement to you for this week. And if you're like, I want that, I want to know more of his voice. I want to be able to take those steps. I got three R's for you, all right? How many R's do I got? Three R's. That's right. You're you're good. You're good. The first one is this. You actually have to resolve to hear Jesus' voice. If you want to hear Jesus' voice and know it more and more in your life, it will not happen kind of accidentally. It will not happen sort of by stumbling your way through. You actually have to resolve to hear his voice. You know, Peter in that moment, he started out so well. He started out, if it's you, tell me to come. Great, I'm going to come. But on his journey of walking on water, it was only a few steps and the wind and the waves, it all became too much and he lost his attention and focus and that was the moment that he sinks. You actually have to resolve to say, you know what, learning to hear Jesus' voice, it doesn't just happen. Spending 2,700 times a day touching your phone, that will just happen. You will not need to work at it. Plenty of people will see to it that it happens in your life. But learning to resolve to hear Jesus' voice takes intention, takes focus. Do you, how do you start your day? Can I tell you, if you want to hear Jesus walking on the water, we learn in those moments. But part of the reason that Peter was able to even hear this, he'd spent a lot of time with Jesus. He knew what Jesus' voice sounded like by the time he gets to the water. How do you start your day? Do you start your day just diving in with all the noise and chatter of the world? Do you do what, you know, they say the majority of people do the first thing in the morning is wake up and check their phone? Do you, if, if you start your day that way, you immediately engage nothing but noise. Do you start your day saying, God, I want to resolve to meet with you to begin my day? Do you start your day going, you know, a, a, a super simple, if you're looking for somewhere to begin, just a simple rule of thumb you can make in your life to resolve to start to hear more of Jesus' voice. It's just resolve that you will not look at or take in any other message until you've taken in something from the scriptures first thing in the morning. And it will just set you on a simple trajectory, even no matter how small or quick that feels, just take that one small step and you'll be immediately saying, I'm going to start to hear the authentic words of God before I hear all the noise and chatter that's about to come at me. You know, I find as well in those moments and knowing when I come to start the day to meet with God, just resolve in your own spirit. If you're going to read the scriptures, if you're going to pray, just go, Lord, I'm resolving to meet with you here. I'm actually making that an intention and a focus. And your mind will get distracted at times. Winds and waves will come at times. But resolve is, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm going to keep on focusing on your voice, Jesus. That's resolving. It's actually making it intentional in your life because it won't happen by accident. But the more you get to know his voice here, the more you get to know in the quiet and the still places, Jesus up on the mountainside all night, the more you have those moments of alone with God, the easier it becomes to hear his voice in the midst of the wind and the waves because you know what his voice sounds like. And the second, so what's our first word? What's our first word? Resolve. Resolve. I heard you down there, Malu. Thank you. Online, so good. 
The second word is repent. Let me hear you say repent. Nobody likes this word. That's what I found. Everybody's like, that's just. Now, can I tell you something? I'm going to try and, and rebrand repenting. This is such a beautiful word. Because sometimes people hear it in this kind of harsh way of you doing it all wrong. But repent is literally, it actually comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means transformation. Re to repent is to turn from one thing and choose another. And so to repent is simply to have this beautiful moment where we can actually say, God, I realize that right now uh, I was about to make that decision based on fear. Or, you know, I, I had to make a, a difficult decision not so long ago. And I found every time I was trying to hear Jesus, what do you want? I kept coming up against fear. I come up against pride. I come up against self-centeredness. I come up against all these things. Now, I could have done two things. And I felt the temptation. One was to nurture some of those senses of self-righteousness and pride. No, I think actually I'm totally right in this and that. Or nurture the feelings of fear and going, no, I better not do that because that could lead to this. I could have nurtured all that and go, but I knew inherently Jesus was saying, you're being selfish here. You're being prideful here. And I had to actually repent and say, you know what? You're exactly right. Lord, forgive me of that. And please just, please just wipe that stuff out of my life. I don't want to be like that. And help me to make a decision. I don't know where it'll lead. I don't know if I'll sink on this thing or what. But I know I don't want to live like that. And do you know what? Repentance is such a beautiful word because it's a word that means freedom. It's a word that means you don't have to be trapped and stuck. And things like selfishness and pride and self-centeredness or whatever the things are for you. Hopefully those aren't your things. Those are, just some of, those are just a few of my issues, just so you know. Just a few. But when we actually get used to the beauty of repenting. No, no, I don't have to keep pretending I'm not selfish or pretending I'm not prideful. I can just repent of it. That leads to freedom. That leads to a whole new way of following Christ. I think enjoying repentance is one of the skills that we have to learn as followers of Jesus. Because, if we, because it's the path that leads us to what he wants for us. You know, Peter in that moment when he starts to sink, that's the moment Jesus says, you know what? You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And he reaches down and he pulls him up. And I think, I remember there's points in my life I used to imagine that when Jesus was saying that, you have little faith, almost like he was yelling at him. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe I thought that's how God spoke to me sometimes. Just, you have little faith. You should be better by now. But I don't know what it is. I just picture Jesus now more like with a smile on his face, just going, you have little faith. You're not there yet. Why'd you doubt? He picks him up and he puts him in the boat. And guess what? He didn't say, Yo, you have little faith, see ya, and hop in the boat. You have little faith, Peter, rock, you're going to sink like a rock, see ya. You know, that's not, it's not what he does. He says, you have little faith, come on, let me grab you, let's go. Just know Jesus is not out there waiting to just like watch you. Man, he just, he's just trying to lead you. He's just trying to take you somewhere better than where you've been. And then the last word is relax. What's the last word? Relax. And I say this one because I think, I know for some people as they follow Jesus, as they think about growing, progressing, they can end up feeling, I should be better. I should, I should be better. I need to keep following Jesus. I should be further than I used to be. And it's so easy to get all caught up thinking about what you're not or how much better you wish you were, all those things. Do you know what? Just relax. Jesus has got you. You know, as you learn to resolve to hear his voice, resolve to start to know and follow his voice above the others, be willing to walk in repentance. I just want to encourage you, just relax and enjoy the journey. Sinking in the water was not Peter's last moment. It was just another step on a lifetime journey. And some of your roughest moments and some of my roughest moments, they're not the end of the road. So just relax and keep on following
And when we can learn to just resolve to know him, to be willing to repent when he's calling us to, to just relax into the journey of following Jesus, that is sometimes walking on water and sometimes sinking, just relax and enjoy the ride as you seek to wholeheartedly and intentionally follow him and know his voice. You know, I want to invite you wherever you are just to stand. We're going to pray together. And my hope and prayer is that this week might be a week where in Jesus' school of life, wherever he's got you right now, that this could be a week where you will learn to hear his voice just a little bit more, just a little bit clearer, where you'll learn to discern a little bit more between what's actually his voice and what some of your own internal just chatter or, or the noise or wind or waves around you. My prayer is you'll know more and more of his voice that you and I can get better at hearing from him. Because as we do, we keep taking steps towards the life he actually wants for us. So if you want to be a part of this prayer to hear his voice more, clearer, louder in your life, I'd love to pray for you. You can just open up your hands where you are. We open our hands because it reminds us we've got nothing. We bring nothing to this party. Jesus has done it all. And we just ask for more of his spirit to empower us to be the people he wants. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for every person here desiring to hear more of your voice in their life. I pray that this would be a week where, Lord, you might grant them an increased capacity to discern between that which is just internal noise or external noise and that which is actually the voice of their loving Heavenly Father. I pray that your spirit would give them the strength, the wisdom to know what, what noise and what voices just need turned off and to find those spaces where they can cultivate an increased sense of your presence and your voice in their life. I pray you'd help them to know when you're lovingly and gently leading them to repentance. I pray they'd know a sense of absolute peace that it doesn't, it doesn't and has never depended on them anyway, that it's all about what you have already done for them. And so lead them, Lord. Lead them to those places where you want them to walk on water, where you want them to step into the full life you dream for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we're going to sing this song, and I encourage you to make it a song of response. Uh, this song is, talks about re-surrendering. It talks about being those kinds of people who are willing to say, you know, God,